2: everybody, it's the aftermath on the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony, he is John Sheeran, and we get to talk a little bit more to you about a win. Not the prettiest, not the most exciting in some ways, but very exciting in others. The Bengals right the ship, they get to 3-3 three and three in the bye. <laughs> I think we all wiped a little bit of sweat off the brow after that one, a sigh of relief all of that, but uh, we are here to talk about it. What we saw, a little bit further breakdown, a little bit more in-depth analysis than that. Than what we bring you on the post-game report, where we kind of just dive through the numbers and some different things we saw, but a little bit more because we got we got the smart guy, not not the dummy talking, just talking to you. We got the smart guy, John Sheeran, joining join us, John. What's going on, bud?
3: I don't, I don't even think anyone of any intelligence level can explain kind of just the, how that game kind of went. And I don't know, man, like I felt like at the end, I just had no idea how it was going to go down. But I mean, two wins in a row, three wins in the past four games. And it still feels like there's just, you know, it's like, like that, <laughs> the, the, this past month has mostly been wins, but there's still a lot left to be desired with this team. And I think that's just the the overall vibe that everyone's feeling right now.
2: It is the overall vibe and it is, Bringing questions about how good are they, how good can they be, uh, how you know wh- what's what's the issue? And today, um, as as the team and its members, its coaches, et cetera, met with the media, there was apparently a lot of frustration from Brian Callahan about execution on offense or lack thereof, missing a play here and there. There are some great uh, great things out there that uh, former Bengals running back coach and now host of his own show, Kyle Kasky, is putting out on Twitter as well. So go check out that stuff that he's putting out there. I think he's, he does a film breakdown show as well uh, during the week, too. So you're going to want to check that out. But, um, I mean, it, it just seems to be, you know, a, a, an inch here or there. I guess let's start a little bit with the, the bad news, and that was the offense. Because they started, those first two drives, they started hot. Um, and everything was clicking run game wasn't so great but I mean I, it, I, as far as the passing offense was was going it, everything was clicking I think Burrow started what 14 of 16 at one point I mean he was he was on fire and then all of a sudden I don't know I I, I wish I kind of had the sequence of events I think Orlando Brown left the game with the groin injury and then that kind of started to precipitate a little bit more of the struggles there Burrow in the second half that pinpoint accuracy he had in that first half John I saw about three or four throws that were, you know, a couple steps behind every guy, you know, and it 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 stalled out drives, quite honestly, and it stalled out the offense in the second half.
3: Yeah, I mean, we saw pretty much what the offense looks like when Burrow is not, you know, firing all cylinders, and the run game just continues to kind of look like how it's been looking the entire year, right? You're just running, you know, shotgun gap schemes down the middle for maybe at best five or six yards, but those are even you know, far and few between. So you're not getting much out of your run game as a whole because of how limited it is. And when your quarterback is not very accurate, the timing's a little bit off and just in general guys, other than the one, you know, wearing the seven 11 necklace are just, are just not getting open or just not making plays on the ball. Right. Even like Tyler Boyd, I think he had, he had a solid game, but even at this point, like his average death, of target is maybe six yards. Like he averaged, like mm-hmm. I think six or seven yards. I catch this game. They're not really using him beyond the sticks defenses aren't really I mean they don't really have to respect Trent Irwin at this point and they certainly don't have to respect T. Higgins right now because it's just it's just been it continues to be rough for him regardless of you know the rib injury that he's dealing with so it, it's really just this offense is just Jamar Chase doing a lot and basically every time he touches the ball it's a bigger play than even you would expect regardless of the expectations that Jamar Chase has set for himself but other than that It's just a lot of lackluster, underwhelming athletes, unfortunately, with just the state of the offense and what maybe with what some guys are dealing with right now. And when the protection isn't perfect or the blocking isn't perfect and Burrow is not, you know, like you said, pinpoint accurate, the offense definitely hits some stalls. And that's kind of the kind of what we saw in the second half.
2: I'm going to just quick roll. Iron Man asks, is this live? Well, this is how you know it's live because we're pinning that comment. We're talking about it. Yes, we are. We are (laughs) live. So hopefully you're you're checking out. Hopefully the stream works. And by the way, just for anybody in case you do tune in live, whether it's on Facebook or on our YouTube channel, uh, if for some reason that, you know, it gets frozen or something like that, make sure you refresh um, your browser or that sort of thing. So, you know, in case there's an issue there always want to put out that disclaimer also I mean even if you're not joining us live sometimes doing that will uh, will help if you have some sort of freeze anyway but it, 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 you're right though it, the, the offense kind of feels like even though there's a lot of uh, early in that game there was a lot of efficiency there's a lot of you know uh high percentage passing and and you know methodical drives I think one of them was a 13 play drive and it is a little bit like based on what you're talking about, about you know the the target depth for, for Tyler Boyd et etc, that's a little bit like death from a, po- a thousand paper cuts. Right. I mean, it's just, yep. you know, and then, and then you throw into the fact, I think if I remember correctly from the box score yesterday, the longest run by the Bengals offense yesterday was five yards. Um, you know, that's, that's not getting it done. Um, so I, I think to your point, you know, I'm seeing Brandon here, wonder what it would take to acquire Gasecki. We talked about some trade stuff on Friday with the listener questions and all that kind of stuff. I mean, tight end is a question, obviously. Uh, and then a lot of people now are starting to bring up, you know, we may need a little bit of extra sizzle at running back uh, kind of to complement Nixon a little bit, get some extra speed somewhere. I don't know where they would look to do that, but that is an area now where you go, man, we got we to get some extra firepower here and there to keep things honest on, from the opposing defenses because I do think, and granted it worked out and we'll talk about the defense in just a little bit. I, I do think that this... This defenses are willing to allow the Bengals to do those four yard completions, five yard runs, kind of like what we were talking about earlier in the year with the run game. They're going to let Joe Mixon get close to five yards per carry because the passing offense wasn't working. Well, now these offenses are saying, we're, we're, you're, you're not going to beat us deep. You're not going to beat us deep. Um, there was a little bit of that last week against Arizona that the Bengals were able to, to break through that barrier. Not so much this week, though. And so, I mean, it, it was a complete night and day in terms of offensive performance in the first half, namely really the first quarter, first one-and-a-half quarters, as opposed to the second half.
3: Yeah, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, it's just so much easier to move the ball when you can generate explosive plays because you just have less chances, fewer chances to mess up or be inaccurate and find yourself in third and longs or whatever the case may be. So you look at those first two drives, Burrow wasn't really pushing the ball down the field as much, but there was still explosive plays to be found from Jamar Chase. And that just, it shortens drives. It just makes it a lot easier on you. And then, of course, the first drive of the second half, Burrow is trying to push the ball down to chase, and he fires it short and its interception. It's a great play on the ball by the Seahawks cornerback. But he had him covered well, yeah. Yeah, but like like that coverage and just the depth of where that throw ended up, it needed to be a back shoulder. If he was trying to lead Chase, he needed to actually, you know, lead him and not just throw right into the to the cornerback's chest there. But I, I do think with the Orlando Brown injury, because it was It wasn't tremendously well-known, I want to say. It wasn't tremendously reported on when he suffered the groin injury initially in week four against the Titans. He was on the injury report, but obviously he played last week against the Cardinals, and all of a sudden, it was Cody Ford out there, and no one seemed to be saying anything until, like I think, a drive later when people were like, oh, yeah, Landon Brown's on the sideline just uh, chilling next to Frank Pollock. So we didn't know if he was injured. We didn't know if he was benched all of a sudden because he didn't play bad at all, but it did seem like part of the play calling was impacted a little bit because they had to – Deal with Cody Ford being at left tackle. The Bengals are still using this this twenty personnel look sometimes with either Drew Sample in the backfield, or they had Sample and Travion Williams essentially pass protecting on the edge. And those plays, unfortunately, I'm um, just like they, they they stink because you have you had three routes down the field, like a third and ten. It just makes the coverage a lot easier. Yeah, you're max protecting, and in theory, you shouldn't you know uh suffer like a pressure from the defensive line. But if your guys can't get open down the field, then the pressure is going to come to you anyway. So maybe the play calling was impacted a little bit by that, but still like you, you have an offense that is not really pushing the
2: ball down the field and it's just making it hard on everyone. So you, you look at the offense and I mean, now inevitably as you, as you see here, you know, Kevin, Kevin Kutch in our Facebook, uh, live Facebook feed says, do you all feel it's more of an execution issue or a creativity? I, I assume creativity points I don't want to speak for him, but is pointing to the, the old play call and here's the tippity top uh, talking about play calling. So uh, again, when you hear and and read the comments from Brian Callahan, you start to, I mean, you feel like it is an execution issue a, a little bit more so than a, than a play calling issue. I don't know if you agree with that based on what you've seen or if it's I mean, we've, we've kind of made a lot of excuses so far this year for the inconsistencies, right? It's Burrow's calf. It's the play calling. and know, oh, you're not getting the ball to Jamar, and then you're getting the ball to Jamar, and still the offense kind of sputters there. So we're, we're kind of running out of time, running out of excuses for the lack of consistency here.
3: Yes, I think – I mean, obviously Burrow's calf it was a legitimate hindrance yeah. on the offense in general. Um, I First of all, I love when Callahan speaks because he doesn't have – um, well, he's not in front of a camera and he doesn't have like the title of head coach and like the prestige to be all uh as, you know, diplomatic or anything like we, we, we get some real answers from him. And sometimes that kind of just uh, preserves itself because he doesn't have to put himself out there. So I, I do. I do appreciate when Callahan gets a little an- animated or at least mm-hmm. has some like real answers. And he said something today. Uh, I think it was Charlie Goldsmith who asked him this about implementing more plays from under center. And this is is something that we've talked about a lot about in the off season and just the lack of it during the beginning of the season. It's just made the run game really stagnant. It's eliminated a lot of chances to create explosive plays in both the running and passing game. I think if we start to see more runs from under center, just more diversification with, with how they can kind of roll these plays out, I think then we'll see more chances to create something down the field. But in terms of execution versus play calling, like again, like, the, the way that they're using Jamar Chase, I think, is great. And Jamar Chase happens to be by far the best athlete that they have on offense. So naturally, when he gets the ball in his hands and the plays work, yeah, it looks fantastic. They're not really getting that same level of execution nor athleticism from any other, other complementary options right now. And it, like defenses kind of take note of that. And the, the way that they play those receivers is a lot different than they play Jamar Chase. So part of it's personnel, I think, to me. And part of it is also just not adjusting your calls based off of your personnel so it kind of goes hand in hand it's obviously a lot of gray area and a lot of nuance with this
2: yeah and i know shotgun that's that's what joe likes and i know that's i mean they're primary that's what they're primarily running um but it is hard to sell a play action properly uh, always if you're always out of shotgun um and uh, you know it's hard to kind of then later on open some things up if you're always out of shotgun in the run game Uh, you know it, it would be nice like you said if they if they do maybe some things under center a little bit more and, or, you know, from there you can do a play action boot. And maybe that's where you get guys like Irv Smith involved for some, for some nice yardage, nice passes that way. But I I do think going again, going back to Burroughs calf, maybe they have had to just not, they haven't been able to utilize plays like that because maybe his mobility has been, you know, that affected. So maybe now with the bye week coming up here, you have time now to adjust, regroup, study, maybe implement some new things as well as you know burrow getting healthier and you can combine that and maybe maybe like you said add another dimension to the offense because it needs it i mean it needs to do something something needs to change for it to be consistent down the road
3: yeah you need i think you need a fully healthy t higgins who probably just needs a little bit of a break right now um just heal the rib kind of get a mental reset in there because clearly like it, it's a lot of things maybe are bothering him with just everything that's kind of going on. You need him playing well, because if not Jamar chase is great, it's just hard to put together a consistent passing offense when he's your only real threat. Um, but let's focus on the positives here, Anthony, because yeah. Zach Taylor always loves to talk about complimentary football. And I don't think there's a better Example of that than on Sunday, because it literally you can time when the offense started to fall apart and when the defense started to pick itself back up. It was like a direct inflection point in that second quarter because you watch the first drive the Seahawks had and it's all the issues the Bengals have had. Right. It's getting blown off the line. It's missing tackles. It's just it's just a mess in space. Right. And the Seahawks just commanded themselves down the field put up seven points on the board and you're thinking this is just, this is just what the defense is now, you know, and how are they going to change this? Like they've had a week to prepare for this and this is just what they get coming out the gates and what a momentum shift. Like what 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 a, what a complete change reverting back to, I think the characteristics that we've come to identify with this defense specifically in the beginning of the second half, Anthony, when burrow threw that interception, Cam Taylor Britt, who up to this point in the game, has had a phenomenal game against D.K. Metcalf, and we need to go into that further, but he misses a pass breakup, and Metcalf gets like a nice yards-after-catch reception. Now they're on the other side of the 50. B.J. Hill gets called for a face mask, and now they're inside the 30. The Seahawks get inside the 5 after both uh, Dax Hill and D.J. Turner miss an open field tackle on some receiver named Bobo. So now the Seahawks are at the four yard line. They're only down four. They have a chance to take this lead. The offense is sputtering on itself. And a couple of plays later, you get a Mike Hill interception like mm-hmm. that. it th- that sequence of events right there completely shifted this game. And it's because we saw the return of the Bengals defense that we've come to know. And it's that when their backs are up against the wall. Yeah, they might give up some big plays. Yeah, they might miss some tackles here and there but they protect that end zone like their life depends on it. And yes, they got help from a Kenneth Walker uh, flag because he blocked too low on the edge, but they stuffed the, uh, the run, I think the, re- the play right before that. And it did seem like, okay, it's now or never at this point because if we don't get the stop, then, then now that they're playing in a, in a deficit, you don't know if the offense can pick itself back up. And the defense really just took it upon themselves to carry this game. And it, it's a lot reminiscent to what we've seen in the past couple
2: of years. Yeah, four sacks, I think, what did I say yesterday? Like 13 quarterback hits, an insane amount of quarterback hits in this game um, on on Geno Smith, so he's he's a sore guy today for sure. I mean, aside from that, you've got the two interceptions. I I give the offense a tiny bit of a – okay, so the offense only – I think they got three points off of the two turnovers. That's not good. Mm -hmm. That's not good enough. But the only pass I give them is that both interceptions were made deep in their own territory as the the Seahawks were set to score twice. So, you know, that's a long field to go. I get it. But this that's been a a problem for the Bengals in terms of when their defense has stepped up, created turnovers, the offense has just kind of laid an egg. And so that cannot continue going forward either. There's some things that we are pointing out from the offensive side of the ball that just are not sustainable for this team to go on on another run. They have to start changing some of these things and be more opportune. But opportune was definitely – the operating word for the defense yesterday. I mean, they were, whether it was Trey Hendrickson, BJ Hill got in the mix, Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard had five quarterback hits by himself yesterday. I mean, he was, he was all over the place. Uh, He had a sack. Logan Wilson had an outstanding game as well. Cam Taylor Britt of course had a great game. So fewer missed tackles. They really took it upon themselves to, to pick this team up when the offense still wasn't doing its job late in the game. And I mean, really, it, it took that kind of Herculean effort to <laughs> to get this win, because if if they weren't causing the turnovers, getting the sacks and hitting Geno Smith as much as they were, that this probably would have been a different result for sure.
3: We've now seen it twice. And I think the past two home games, the Bengals have scored fewer than 20 points and have still won, which was a complete rarity this franchise in general especially under Zach Taylor and both times it's been because their pass rush just goes off now against the Rams a couple like four weeks ago it was the Trey Hendrickson show he had just a prime matchup against a backup left tackle for half of that game he went off with like 10 pressures and a couple sacks the problem with the Bengals pass rush this year is that it's been spotty because it's mainly just been Hendrickson kind of one manning it and this time you had phenomenal performances from basically the entire starting defensive front, including Camp Sample, who I think had maybe his best game of his career with yeah. three pressures in the mm-hmm. sack, but you had B.J. Hill, Sam Hubbard, and D.J. Reader all recording, I think, at least six pressures, which, according to Next Gen stats, it's like the fourth time in the past four years where a, d- a single defense had at least four players with six pressures. That's a lot of numbers, but essentially all, all four starters for, for the Bengals <laughs> defense had consistently good pass rushing days, and yes, the Seahawks had a couple of backups in there, but they had a couple starters in there as well, and even when you have backups in there, like you have to win those matchups. Like this is a game where Sam Hubbard was going up against the backup right tackle. He said, him, like, he, he talked after the game, how he was setting that tackle up for a lot of power moves. And then at the end of the game, he kind of showed power and kind of ripped, a, ripped around the edge there for a little finesse move. So like he had a really good game. BJ Hill had a really good game. Both of them combined for that little twist stunt at the end of the game to basically close it out, force the throw away from Geno Smith there. DJ Reeder I think came alive too. Like he, like he's still got some pass rushing juice. And of course, Trey Hendrickson is playing on all pro level. So whenever this Pat, like it, it's not, I want, I don't want to say it's not sustainable, but like it, it's taken two incredible outings from this defensive line. And granted they're like, it's the most, you know, the highest paid position group on the team. They've, they've obviously invested heavily to get performances like this, but these have been two insane performances that have really sparked what needed to be great defensive performances And if that's what it's going to take for this defense to kind of come back alive, then it's just, it's just what they have to rely on, I guess.
2: I had a funny moment yesterday. And I think I mentioned it on, on the post game show where I'm like, man, Trey Hendrickson was just an an animal yesterday. And he's, he's looking, you know, uh, he's up there with the best of them in terms of sacks and stats and everything. And, you know, you go, they, 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 I, you know, you think again, Oh, they just extended him this summer and, you know, okay, well that that's working out well. And then there's a, Report, I think, from Diana Russini of The Athletic earlier in the day where, the, of course, this was before the Jets beat the Eagles, but the Jets may be open to moving some players and one of which is Carl Lawson. And it's just like, man, <laughs> it's weird how that whole situation and I, I, I like Carl Lawson and I, I'm glad he he got what he made. But, um, you know, I, I think everybody was up in arms. I just I remember that, you know, a lot of fans were up in arms about losing Carl Lawson and bringing in Trey Hendrickson and just what Trey Hendrickson has done since he has become a Cincinnati Bengal, It's just, it, it's a marvel to, to witness. I want to bring this up here, John, because this is definitely directed to you talking to smart guy. This is from Mr. Whisper, who is always so generous to us with the YouTube super chat. What did you see with DJ Turner's Juan Drago? DJ Turner snaps. Feels like I've seen uh, cam Taylor Britt targeted more than the rookie, which is surprising. Um, I think cam Taylor Britt is taking, you know, at times some of the guys that are higher up on the receiver depth chart than, than DJ Turner, but DJ Turner has played outstanding. And I think based on what we have seen from CTB and DJ Turner, I, I think, you know, you may have something, another great Bengals cornerback tandem in, in the works here down the road, whether that's, you want to go Leon Hall, Jonathan Joseph, or Tory James, Delth O'Neill, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I think, they're 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 setting themselves up for a bright future in the secondary for the Bengals.
3: Yeah, because the questions about DJ Turner, we'll, we'll talk about him first. Like I think he still is a extremely plus athlete in coverage, mm-hmm. and that's why you know he's played like 200 some snaps, most of them being in coverage. And he's only been targeted 15 times. He's been out there arguably just as much, if not more, than should have been Wozier, and he's just not getting a lot of looks because he's not allowing a lot of separation there was a couple of rough moments in run defense i want to say but that's just going to happen t- from time to time he's a little bit light in terms of his frame but he ended up going to be against uh, dk Metcalf a couple times and they targeted him twice and he allowed zero receptions but the star of this game i think was clearly cam taylor Britt, ar- arguably his best game of his career on his birthday nonetheless his 24th birthday like they rarely do you get th- I think for a Bengals team, like hey, there's the there's that there's the X there's the X receiver and he's six four two hundred forty pounds all muscle. Go follow him and pester him all game, and he accomplished that very much. Now, obviously, DK Metcalf is going to get his like we talked about. Like he had that big, you know, run run after catch play on a little out route, and you know he had a couple of other catches as well. But just I think three great plays on the ball that he made against him, at least two, including obviously including. Um, <laughs> that, that that first pass breakup, which I think was a tone setter, I think, for the defense, too, considering that was the start of the second drive the Seahawks had after they had that touchdown. And Metcalf had a little bit of a step on on Taylor Brady, made an incredible play on the ball to, to break it up. It's hard to break up the ball when it's at the catch point for DK Metcalf, but that's mm-hmm. a guy, mm-hmm. exactly what he did. And he just stayed with him and just stayed in his hip pocket and just used his strength, which is physicality and straightforward explosion against another athlete whose main thing is just straightforward explosion and physicality. So it was a great matchup to watch and he handled it amazingly. And not, and when he went up, went up against Tyler Lockett, he did, he adjusted, you know, like he, he, he played off him a little bit and he made another great play on the ball in the end zone. So phenomenal game. Obviously the interception was a great highlight, but that was just kind of a miscommunication I think between Metcalf and, and Gino Smith, but just a tremendous game from Cam Taylor Bridge and just one of the re- main reasons why they won this game.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You love to see that. And you can see why the Bengals now they didn't uh, at the time. I don't. they didn't have for a portion of the time they didn't have D.J. Turner in their back pocket. But you can see why they were comfortable even with the coming back from. The, the knee injury, why they were comfortable moving on from Eli Apple, who had given them a good couple of seasons with that team, um, you know, coming in and, and kind of playing <laughs> a, a small form of hero ball based on the whole Trey Waynes thing and everything. So you could see why they're like, hey, you know, we we're, we're comfortable moving on here um, because we've we've seen and we believe in the development of Cam Taylor Britt. And then you bring in D.J. Turner and and he is showing uh, he's showing a lot right now. He's showing a lot. And I think that uh, he, like I said, I I think that they are setting themselves up for another great cornerback tandem, hopefully down the road with these two, because um, it's looking, it's looking pretty good, but thank you again, Mr. Whisper for that um, for that question. And, uh, you know, I think you can also, as weird as this may sound, you can, you can talk about how high quality of a performance that CTB had because of the level of frustration you saw with DK Metcalf. Um, I mean, that's, that's, he's jamming him at the line. He's getting physical. He's not letting him make the plays and that, and and DK's a, you know, a freak. And so when you see him get frustrated and, you know, obviously the penalty and all that kind of stuff, that's telling you that he's, he's in his head a little bit there uh, and, and having his way with him.
3: Yeah, I, I think part of the frustration was he found himself open on a play, and he wasn't given the ball. And I, um, I think he was like talking with like Pete Carroll on the sidelines from that. But yeah, I do think that you know, like cornerbacks are, are the douchebags on the football field, right? They're, they're just <laughs> they're, their whole job is to get in your head and just make you feel shitty about yourself. It's what, uh, what Jalen Ramsey did, to AJ Green six years ago. Like, <laughs> the, the best, the best cornerbacks are kind of built like this, and I think Taylor yeah. Britt has has that kind of has that kind of jerk in, in, in him in, in his play style, but he's certainly got the physicality to match up with receivers like this, and he's got the speed to go with it as well. It, it's the type of athlete that the Bengals have smartly been identifying in recent years, and it, it's coming to pay off. But j- j- just real quick, going back to D.J. Turner, because in this past draft season, when it became apparent that the Bengals were targeting a cornerback early, there was a pushback against that, I feel like, in some parts of the fan base. like How is the cornerback going to get on this on the field you know early in the season how is he going to play significant snaps when he's maybe number four on the depth chart and of course the idea of of awuzie not returning 100 percent in time was definitely apparent at that time like it wasn't a, a sure thing at all and even if he was you know eventually healthy and able to play in week one there was still a risk of hey maybe he's not fully back maybe there's going to be some type of thing that's going to linger and now out of 33 rookie cornerbacks this year, DJ Turner's seventh in snaps and second in, in the lowest passer rating allowed. So, you know, a cornerback was going to contribute early in this defense and it just so happens that he's a pretty good one too.
2: Yeah. I think this is our buddy, Will saying Rod Jones and Kawan Ratliff. I think Ratliff was with like maybe our Terrell Hawkins, right? I don't, maybe that was that era. I don't, I don't remember, but he also not to go, I, you know, we're kind of moving on from the, the defense a little bit. um, But to go back to the offense here, you know, one of the one of the scapegoats or one of the, pe- the people that unfortunately a lot of people are pointing out uh for performances was Cordell Volson, but as I read and and saw some things today, um his pass protection was actually a lot more capable from a PFF score perspective than I think a lot of people thought at first blush. Did you what did you see? I don't know if you've had a chance to kind of rewatch or uh watch some more of him in this game. What did you what did you kind of see there?
3: Yeah, he got beat pretty cleanly uh from a bull rush, and that was that was one play, and I think he was charged uh with that sack, but I think for the majority of the game he was fine. Like again, like that that's those are warts that you kind of accept with a guy like Bolson, yep. he's going to get beat from time to time. But yeah, PF like PF grades on an individual game basis sometimes don't always match what your eyes see. There's a lot of things that kind of go into it. Um yeah. grades I think are best viewed over extended periods of time. So like if you want to look at grades throughout the first six weeks, I think that's smart. But yeah, like if you see Volson get beat cleanly on a sack and he ends up 75.3 in pass block and you're thinking how the hell does that work out? Well, <laughs> there's just there's just there's more that goes into it. But I think for the most yeah. part, like the entire offensive line I think played pretty well there were a couple there were a couple sacks during the second half but I don't think the Bengals offense was being limited necessarily by the collective group up front maybe maybe, again maybe they were calling plays to kind of help out Cody Ford to make sure that he wasn't on an island protecting for three seconds but other than that like I, I thought they played okay
1: yeah
2: yeah well we're gonna we're gonna talk about what's ahead here because a bye week is on the horizon for the Cincinnati Bengals and they are three and three before we do, we just want to remind folks that if you like what we're doing on this show and or if you like every every show that we do on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, you can get the audio side of things through your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. Our shows are there, so whether it's this one, whether it's Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, whether it is... Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with the coach, Matt Minnick. Three and Out with Jason and Kevin. All of those are available through your favorite audio streamer. And then, of course, you can get our stuff on our respective YouTube channel uh, underneath John there by the Cincy Jungle icon. You can click the show icon uh, that's there, our, our Orange and Center Center show icon. Click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when new content is available and when we go live and then if you could give us a thumbs up on a video if you like that and of course leave us a review through your favorite audio streamer hopefully a five star one helps us uh helps us out and um yeah helps spread the word a little bit about what we're what we're doing what we're about but appreciate all the support that you have shown us for a long time on this show and through cincyjungle.com. well john as as i kind of said here the and we could pull up some of the the upcoming schedule stuff but The Bengals now have a buy. They have an opportunity to get T Higgins and Joe Burrow fully healthy, which is huge or close as close to full, (laughs) full health as possible, which is huge. Um, They may or may not make some maneuvers on their roster. We don't know, but they have a daunting stretch ahead of them out of this buy. So I think this buy actually comes at a pretty good time for a variety of reasons, getting guys healthy, um, even even a guy like wouzier who had the knee and then the back, you know, the back's bugging him a little bit. So, I mean, even guys like that just rest for a little bit. Um, that's that's a big key. And then, of course, regroup, adjust, and do what's needed. As you come out of the gates, you are in San Francisco for a 49ers, uh, a, a tough 49ers team, obviously, despite what happened yesterday. Then you've got the Bills. Then you've got, you know, we could talk about others. Here's the thing, though, John. You know, at 3-3, three and three, we're kind of like, eh about the Bengals, right? We're like, you know, they, they have moments of looking pretty good. And what it, I, this is the kind of time of year where I don't know who's who and what's what, right? The Bengals are three and three. We think we kind of know based on their past record, what they can do, what they will do potentially. Um, the Chiefs haven't been scoring a ton of points in some of their games. So they've been kind of a, a little inconsistent, even though they have one of the best records in the NFL. You saw the Eagles lose to the Jets with Zach Wilson at the at the helm yesterday. And then, of course, you know, you had the Niners lose in sloppy weather at Cleveland for their first loss. So you got a lot of weird stuff happening right around now. A lot of teams have better records than the Bengals, but there's stuff where you go, hmm, tough matchup, but there's vulnerabilities potentially there.
3: Yeah, I think the the commonality, though, between like the, the 49ers and the Eagles loss, other than that they were like, two of the best teams in the NFC, they went up they went up against really good defenses. Like that Browns defense is no joke at this point. It's just it just cannot be looked at as anything but the best defense in the NFL. Look no further than Trent or excuse me, Miles Garrett just having his way with Trent Williams like four consecutive times on the last drive there. Um that was something that I was going to watch though. Like Brock Purdy, yes, he looks great in structure, yes. Like his mechanics are good and everything. But what happens when they run into a defense that just doesn't allow the 49ers to do whatever they want and that's more or less what happened in Cleveland. Of course, the Eagles, I mean, that Jets defense is, is championship caliber, and they've been kind of going through some struggles of their own on offense. They have a new offense coordinator and everything. So, yeah, that, was, that, that wasn't that was as expected, maybe, but, you know, like the Jets defense is legit. And if the Bengals defense is approaching or at least getting somewhat closer to that realm, they'll never be, they, they, won't, they won't be the, the Browns or the Jets this year in that regard. They're just not as talented or athletic enough. But if they can generate pass rushes on a consistent basis regardless of the quality of the offensive line it definitely gives them a chance but you're right man like this this stretch up ahead i think it's why this bye week was earlier than they've had in recent years i think it's always been like week nine or ten for them which is like right smack dab in the middle now it's a little bit earlier but it definitely comes at a good time because you have i think a quick rundown of this orlando brown dealing with a groin injury jermaine pratt dealing with dealing with a shoulder injury be Wouzier dealing with a back injury that clearly limited him um, against the Seahawks. Teagans, obviously, with that rib fracture. More rest for Joe Burrow's calf. And just everyone else who's dealing with some minor ailments. Um, I think you're at a point now where all of those guys I just listed should be practicing next week unless some type of a setback occurs. But, yeah, if they, if they play the 49ers this week, especially after the 49ers just lost by a game losing field goal with these injuries, yeah, I wouldn't like the Bengals' chances very much.
2: So here is the Bengals schedule coming up here. You see here, you've got the 49ers, the Bills after that. Um, Is that what a Sunday night? That's a Sunday night, right? Yeah. The Bills game. Yeah. Uh, And then you've got the Texans who, oh, by the way, they're three and three. Um, You know, that was supposed to be a big, a big, a big, yeah. That was supposed to be a big rebuild three and three. Uh, So that's, that's looking a little tougher than expected. Then, I believe this is the Thursday night game, correct? Against the Ravens, um mm-hmm. in Baltimore. So that's a tough one. Steelers have proven they're what three and two, I think, right now, three and three, something like they're that. They're never gonna go so, away. Yeah, they'll they won't go away. The Jags are so I mean you've got and then the Colts, I think, are three and three-ish right now, or three and two, something to that effect. The Vikings, they're struggling a little bit, but I, I think they got the win yesterday against the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. Then you got the Steelers again, and then the Chiefs and the Browns. So this is man this is uh this is a gauntlet here coming up and they, they need to rest up they need to regroup and they need to figure things out on offense otherwise you know this 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 may not be a similar story to the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, you're th- you're 3 and 3 and your best win is barely getting out alive at home against the Seahawks. Seahawks are a really good team. Seahawks are really good on both they offense are. and defense. They're just one of the more well-rounded teams in the league, but winning with 17 points and three in the second half, it's not going to get it done when the bills or the 49ers or even the Ravens, or especially the chiefs, when they're, when they're playing at their usual level, it's, it's, it's not sustainable. And this is why I think the urgency and the, in the words of both Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan is important right now. And just, taking this week to evaluate what is working and what isn't working. I really liked what uh, Zach Taylor said about making changes. Uh, I want to read a quote from him, assess what we're doing. Well, assess what we thought we should have been doing. Well, that maybe we're not. And do we need to make tweaks? Do we need to call more of this or that? And so I think this bye week comes at a good time for us. Six, 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 yeah, six weeks in, that's a pretty good sample size to see kind of where we're at maybe what other teams are seeing, and take a step back and make sure that we're continuing to progress in the right spot going forward. Um, I certainly don't think that they expect it to be this low in terms of efficiency after six weeks. I think they obviously expected Burrow to not be as limited as he was, but this is, this is the only time to really take this kind of a reset because it, it, if not, it's just going to be trial by fire against some of the best teams in the NFL.
2: Yeah, good point here. I think it's Tori Cohen. Cohen uh looks like seven of the 12 games remaining um are at home so you know that that's always good where you're not traveling to uh you know a bunch towards the end there so but some big ones at home obviously as we pointed out some big big ones at home there and a lot of tough quarterbacks that this team will be facing so they've got they've got a lot of work to do ahead for sure and um you know i Again, what what were they at last year around this time? Were they, what, three and four?
3: four? They
2: were three and three. Yeah. So, I mean, I I guess if you want to use last year as the barometer or whatever, it's a different team. That's a lot of the same characters. Uh, It it is a different team. There are a lot of new people out there, uh, you know, playing in the secondary and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, this team has that in their DNA where, you know, they don't get phased too often. And they seem to channel frustration or adversity. They seem to channel it in a, in a positive way towards focus. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's a credit to the coaches. That's a credit to their quarterback and the, the, the other leaders in that locker room. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, I trend towards believing in them and and this thing looking kind of like peak bangles that we have seen over the past couple of years, but things need to get some things need to be tweaked that is for sure
3: yeah i I think i i don't think you're gonna see the defense be i I mean at this point like they can have good weeks like this but i think by season's end they're not going to be like a top 10 unit by any means I, i think there's just there's just too much shakiness i think in the secondary and there might just be some weeks where that pass rush isn't as dominant so a lot of the onus is going to be on the offense. And I think the difference between this year and last year is that you had a a promising win over the Saints, which is kind of what they referred to as last week's win against the Cardinals, and at least that's what it kind of felt like to some players. And then you had a dominant showing against a terrible Falcons team, which got them, I think, to four and three. And then Jamar Chase injures his hip or is officially out with the hip injury. They don't know what to do against the Browns. They get embarrassed there. So that that put them at like four and four, but at least you saw, like when they had everyone healthy, you saw things clicking in ways that it should, and you had a defense that was playing particularly well. There's just not as much confidence right now in the offense, kind of finding stable footing. They might have good weeks against really bad teams, but there's just there's not really a really bad team left on the schedule, so it's just gonna it's, it's they're just gonna have to step up against against teams that are more capable of taking away what they want to do which is is going to require <clears throat> it's going to require the the best forms of adjustments and adjustments that again the Bengals have made in the in the past they've, they've made some midseason tweaks before but this is going to have to be these are going to be really noticeable tweaks and just it's going to have to feature guys playing better than what they're playing right now
2: the the worry that I have, at least long term, is, and I've probably mentioned this a couple of times on past episodes, but the worry I have, just with some of the stuff we've seen from the offenses, is that this is very these long dry spells, settling for field goals instead of touchdowns, all of that, is very reminiscent of their last two playoff runs where they're not scoring yeah. a ton of points. They're not scoring a lot of points. Um, they're relying on defensive touchdowns and turnovers, and that's fine. It's got them far, but it hasn't gotten them all the way over the hump. So that's what worries me because when it comes time in January you're going to need to make that one extra play on offense. You're going to need that one field goal to be a touchdown if you're going to you know be a Super Bowl champion. That's just kind of how it goes. So I I that's that's what worries me a little bit. While I while I like the I recognize the fortitude and the ability for them to adjust and do different things and rebound well all of that it, it, there is a semblance of a broken record from what I have seen offensively the past two postseason runs.
3: That's a really good parallel because the like the difference being to me is that they were limited offensively in the postseason because of how bad their offensive line was, whether it's just from talent level or attrition and injuries. Now it's like the offensive line, like it's not great, but it's not I don't think it's holding back the offense from what they want to do. Like that was the biggest that was supposed to be the biggest step forward. Like you have the same caliber of talent. on offense with a better offensive line a more stable offensive line the offensive line i think is is more stable yes of course like guys are going to lose here and there and it's going to be embarrassing from time to time but it's not just completely destroying games and just putting yourself in a sandbox like it was in for a couple of those playoff games so now it's just a lot of issues that honestly just shouldn't really be issues at this point whether it be play calling or execution so that that to me is is adding a level i think of, of worry because they're not quite there but Again, like they have time now and they have a chance to kind of re- regroup and reset, and we'll see how they respond.
2: Uh, Dalton Stone here says, Did you see Boyd tell the? It looked like he was doing a tell that Yoshi was going to get the ball for his touchdown, or was it just me? I'll have to go back and look. Did you happen to notice that? I'll have to go back and look I did at
1: not that notice Boyd that.
2: Yeah, I didn't notice that either. I'll have to go back and, and check that out. But hey, Bengals are three and three. Uh, not exactly where everybody wanted them to be at this point, but given some of the struggles they've had, the injuries they've had to overcome and getting into the bye week and hopefully getting healthy, this is, you know, still up there for, you know, with the cards you have been dealt, this is one of the better situations and better standings that you could have hoped for here. And again, I, I keep reiterating it. Three and three is just worlds different to me than two and four. Um, It just, it seems much, much different. There's a different respect level at that, at that winning percentage as opposed to, Two and four, so you got to take that as they as they come, and hopefully adjustments will be made going forward. We're uh, I think going to get on out of here. We we try and keep these. Sometimes they go a little longer, but we're trying to keep them about forty five minutes or so since we've split up the episodes on two different evenings. We'll be back with you on Thursday again. There will be a three and out episode. Bengal Jim's going to be doing a show to, uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. So check out all of those. In the meantime, I'm trying to give give you stuff almost every single day of the week. On either on our YouTube channel or throughout the audio audio channels there. So go check it out. But we'll be back on Thursday. Um, what do you got for us as we head on out of here, John?
3: Oh, man. I think I, I've relayed a lot of really cool stats in, in recent weeks or in, in recent episodes. Uh, the stat that Ben Baby provided via ESPN Stats and Info yesterday uh, is amazing to me. When Andre uh scored a touchdown on his birthday, which, by the way, him scoring a touchdown on his birthday and Came Taylor-Britt intercepting a pass on his birthday—they were born on the same exact day because they're both 24 years old—is bonkers to me. It's crazy, but Andre yosavash is the first Bengals player with a receiving touchdown on their birthday since Andrew Whitworth <laughs> in 2010 oh, when he was wow. an eligible receiver. <laughs> that, wow. That's that's awesome. that's I, I have no words other than that.
2: The, the debacle that was the 2010 season. Wow. Um, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. I, I just want to reiterate on that note a little bit. I just want to always reiterate that, and I don't want to speak for you, John, but I'm assuming you are going to agree with this sentiment that we highly respect and we uh, really enjoy the work and the content put out by all of the people who cover the Bengals from a media perspective, whether that's, you know, online or print media and everything. They do a great job covering this team. They do a lot of hard work. We recognize that. We try and give kudos and shout-outs and citations and everything uh, to everybody that we can, whether it's on our social media channels, whether it's on our um, you know, our, our episodes, like our news episodes and stuff, we d- we try and share and link everything and all of that. Um, so we we try our best to do all of that. Hopefully, we, you all feel that we do a good job of that. But just want to reiterate, and many of those people have been kind enough to come on this show, Ben being one. Um, you know, I mean, we've had we've had a number of great beat writers and, and Mike Petralia and James Rapine and many, many others who have uh, come on this show and, and treated us very, very well. And we appreciate that, too. But um, just want to give, as always, even though it goes, it kind of goes without saying that we give a tip of the cap to beat writers and those who cover the team from a number of different perspectives. They do a great job. We try and uh, credit everybody that we can, and we try to do so in a fair way. And hopefully we we do a, a decent job of that and we'll continue to try hard to do that. But a shout out to all of those who, who cover the team.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, nothing to add to
2: that. Well, I guess, I, I guess there's this. You're all are great at giving flowers. I, I I don't know if I was giving flowers. I was giving kudos there, but uh, at any rate, that being said, appreciate all of you as well tuning in to this show and uh, the others on the Cincy Jungle podcast network. Go check out all of the other shows that we've got coming up there. Go to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, and podcasts. And of course, Go check out John at A to Z sports and the great work he is doing there covering not only the Cincinnati Bengals, but spearheading AFC North coverage. So go check that out. We appreciate all of you. Take care. We'll be back a little later this week and hopefully with some, some special guests for you. We'll see. Take care.